Not bad from Wigan with a big nod. You're listening to the Jai and Woody Show, brought to you by sportsfunding.co.uk, the game changer for funding community and amateur sport. Welcome back, one day early, to the Jai and Woody Show. Uh, Woody, what's going on, mate? Take you a while to get here? Uh, yeah, a bit of a bad smash on the 62, which has diverted me, but it, to be fair, it was worth... Um, you know, it was worth all that traffic and all that delay just to see you after that cricket score. After oh. Ben Stokes absolutely annihilated Australia. Fuck me. I so, posted a tweet as well. I know, um, I've seen it. I've well, seen it. We'll get into it, but first we'll introduce our guest, our Wigan Flyer, currently out injured. Tommy Davies, how are you, mate? I'm good, mate. Thank you. Beautiful. Um, yeah, yeah, we'll go straight into the cricket. <laughs> yeah. What a shit show. <laughs> Yeah, um, you watch the cricket? Yeah, no, no? sack that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm same. I, don't, I didn't watch. No, it. but you just watched the. I didn't watch it. Shit. All I saw was you getting loads of shit, and I thought brilliant. Well, but so, apparently, he's, I got this text saying Ben Stokes has now been given permission by the Queen to punch whoever the fuck he wants <laughs> on Saturday night. So after that, Ashes heroics. Yeah. So I know who Ben Stokes is. I've he seen didn't the, know. The he went to bed early. He's ginger. He's he's out there for too long. Yeah. So. But is it true that he's Jed Stokes' son who used to coach Whitehaven? Yeah. Yeah, 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 Twitter, yeah, yeah. You know, so bit of a. He's a Kiwi. Yeah, so bit of a. You can't be sit- exactly. You're sitting on. You're all sitting on. Your whole country is just relying on a Kiwi. <laughs> We're to just get you using out Kiwis, shit. Aussies, South Africans to well, win yeah. whatever it takes. Blake, <laughs> Blake Austin will come back and lead you to World Cup glory, and you'll be like, "Yeah, you yeah. beauty." Well, um, well, he didn't lead uh, Warrington to Challenge Cup glory this no. weekend, did he? Well, so. what do we think? What do we think of the game, mate? You catch the game? Yeah, mate. Thought it was a good performance. To be honest, like normally give him a chance, but the did end you of give the him day, a <laughs> 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 I, I was having like mates betting with me and saying, "Oh, they'll not get within twenty of them." But you know, they did what Catalans did last year. They came as underdogs and they've killed it, aren't they? Yeah, mate. I, look, I did say at the start of the year, Warrington two of three trophies. <laughs> yeah, you did, but mate. last week I said that they were going to get drilled. Um, Where's that come from? Well, let's talk about the the Hixie not going upstairs. Yeah, What's going on there? Yeah. You catch that? Yeah. I, mean, I watched the R-Time review about it and you know what they kind of said there and they said he's trying to establish a bit of dominance really, like show that yeah, he wants to keep the game flowing mm-hmm. but that big of a, a moment and it's the start of the game then yeah. you know, got to well, let's it. wait. Let's wait bloody... Let's wait 35 rounds to establish a bit of dominance, eh? It's... Yeah, it's a tricky one. I get what they're saying. He's trying to be dominant and... It's Mate. a big get. Look, you know, everybody's. There's been a lot of complaining about video ref and um, you know the video ref being overused, and now they've they're sort of making these calls early, so they're trying to like Tom's just said, you know, get this dominance over over the plays on the games to say, look, we're not going to video ref just because you're calling it. But at the end of the day, it was a try. It's a game it's, changer it's, as well. It's right? a massive game changer. I'm not saying one to one to one, but. All of a sudden, they're on the back foot early doors. Yeah. And uh, it rocks Entellings. And, you know, it is what it is. Fair play to Warrington because um, Warrington dug deep to win that game. Yeah. You know? well, and people are saying that Saints played um, below standard. Warrington made them play below standard. They made them force errors. And, yeah. Did I know, read put 20 them errors? Really? Yeah. Uh, I think it was 16 errors and Warrington made four or something like I that. I mean... T- what do you do there? You can't. You're not going to win a game with 20 errors, are you? Or oh, upwards of 20 errors. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think you've got to go upstairs on that try, 100%. But then, equally, the Tom Lynham try from dummy half. Mm. I mean, we'd know better than any. That's your sort of go-to. You pick that up and go, and he's just brushed to play the ball. Mm. That happens all year round, doesn't it? You score from them all year round, and they just go yeah. try. Yeah. So it was equally weird that he went upstairs for that and just said, "Look, yep, he's made." The slightest of contact. Man, I've seen him dive between the legs yeah. and they give it a try. But now all of a sudden you touch him and it's no try. I'm just... just trying to even it up a bit, I thought, to be honest. Like, once you call that on it, like, yeah. nearly even it up and you probably knew how much grief you were going to get for not going for the first one. Yeah, yeah. it was a weird one for me. Yeah. But, what, um, what, what did you think of the referee performance, Tom? Did you think it was a good performance by Robert Hicks or do you think a bit of pressure got to him there? To be honest, I thought overall he did well. Like, he kept control of the game, but... Like that decision at the start, really, you know, you don't know how much it would have changed momentum. If Saints get into that and they get an early lead, they then are the dominant from the outpost. But overall, I thought he took control of it, kept the game flowing well. It's just it made that one bad decision. Everyone's going to stick to that, really, aren't they? Yeah, I just think because it's so early, that could have easily put Warrington on the back foot, and you know, it changes the atmosphere of the place because everyone there, even a lot of Warrington fans, thought that that was going to be a bit of a dusting. I mean, obviously, you go there to support your team, but. 
Everyone thought that Saints were going to run away with that. And a try, six points after five minutes, you just think, oh, yep, here we go. It, that would have changed the game, no doubt about it. And so I can understand what Holbrook's comments were about he doesn't want to be sour grapes and doesn't want to feel like he's you know, just bringing up old stuff. But look, he's got a massive point there. I've not seen him not go to the video ref on a decision like that ever, not even in, in round competitions. So it's just bizarre that all of a sudden they want to start making the tough calls. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, if he got it right, that would have been a really great call and the, the flow of the game would have been awesome because they were straight on the back foot. But um, I think he got it wrong. Well, he did get it wrong because the, the action replay shows it and, um, you know, it was a bad decision and it and it possibly did, you know, turn the game from. But, um, you know, going back to what you were saying, there, nobody give Warrington a chance. Mm. And uh, I texted Lee Breeze today saying, congratulations, pal, you know, made up for you all. And he said... It was, um, you know, nobody give us a chance. And I, I texted him back and said, I didn't give you a chance. I said, mm. I tipped Saints to win that game. Um, but, you know, I'm really happy that you all made it. Um, it's just the occasion. I mean, you spoke about it uh, midweek. If you missed, you well, obviously wouldn't listen to the show because not many people, not many players listen to the show. <laughs> not many. But, uh, <laughs> but like, last week we spoke about um, the occasion getting to you. And obviously it's, it's just a... It's just a game changer, isn't it? I mean, and you soak it all up because it goes like that. And and if you lose, you don't remember yeah. shit, do you? Well, well, Lee Smith touched on it last week. Lee, me and Lee Smith played against each other at Challenge Cup final in 2010, and uh, we was underdogs again. Warrington and, and uh, Leeds. It was the first time they'd played at the Warrington where we played the the previous year. And I, I do remember lining up in the tunnel and looking at the Leeds players and think, these don't seem up for this. We was all facing forward, probably mm. fired up for the game, and they was looking around and sort of, it looked like the occasion got to them and, and we ended up beating them in that game. And that was my justification for saying, if Warrington win next week, it'll be through that. Mm. Saints will just get a bit overawed by the occasion. First time a lot of them have played at Wembley, played in a big game, in a, well, in a big final. Uh, where Warrington, you look at how many finals they've played over the last six years, they've played in about six finals. Yeah. I know they haven't won one, but you know they, they've got the game experience, the big game mentality. And um, you know it's thrown Super League wide open now, but with, with that uh, win against Saints. Mm. What's your Thoughts, mate. What's the biggest game? Biggest game you've played in? Do you know where we're coming from with that? Yeah, probably. What well, I played individually. Yeah. Yeah, the grand final last year. Yeah. I'd have been. I think we got to Wembley in. We got to the final in, in my first year when I was 2017, and I uh, I had to pull out in the warm up. I actually did my ankle, and I remember myself then like you're Got looking it. around and you have to take it all in because it, it is it's massive, and you get in there and I think just the amount of fans that are in there that hits you and. The, the main thing Wayne you say to us back then was play the game not the occasion mm. yeah. you know, you've got to make sure you, you get the game first if you try and take everything in before you know it 80 minutes has gone and you're getting a loser's medal where, mm. uh, luckily I got like I said last year I got the chance to go in a final again the grand final and all I was thinking about that game was look play it like any other game and mm. you know it's, it's four lines and some some grass and play it like that and if you do it then you get the win it's, it's better what did you think about that like warming up and that I mean I was shitting bricks in the grand final just because you know it's, it it tapers off mm. right on the edge there and obviously being a winger you kick catching and stuff all that time I just thought it was just slippery you know the pitch is like it's yeah. just a different pitch do you know what I mean it's, yeah obviously like yeah, there's no in goal there hardly is yeah. there so you're straight off the edge and then it, it, was, it was something new trying to take it in but uh, being deadly honest right, the whole Super 8 it just had this feel about camp that we, we were going to do it yeah. there's never a game like usually no matter how good of a team it was last year and you know we was were successful and I think we end up coming second but there were some games where I went into thinking we don't really seem to have that buzz about camp that we have done this week where yeah. every game of that eight it, it felt confident so going into it I still felt like yeah we're going to win this today and I think feeling that way about camp made the made the occasion a lot easier for me yeah Spe speaking to Jamie Fackery though at Wembley and, uh, and, and we were sort of saying the same thing like every time we played in a big game we just knew we was going to win that game and he played in a Challenge Cup final in 2008 and got beat by St. Helens and he said it, it was weird because he didn't have the same feel as 2005 when they won it he said I just sort of had a feeling we were going to get beat and you know that We've done it with Warrington where when, when it was the playoffs, we used to go in camp and um, it, it just created this feeling that we were just unbeatable. You mm. know, we, we managed to get, we didn't win the grand finals, we got beaten two grand finals, but you know, it, you know, once you've got that feeling and that belief about you, it's just unbelievable. But going back to playing 
the game and not the occasion it's such a difficult thing to do especially yeah. if it's your first one mate that 2017 grand final throughout the year it's like you said you know how you get that feeling in camp where you're unstoppable and straight from kickoff boom 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 like we were racking up 20 and 30 points before half time on teams and just decimating like really really good teams like we put 60 points on 66 nil or something uh, on Leeds about 14 weeks before the grand final but Someone said during the week, I think it was um, I think it was Kevin Sidfield said during the week, the Leeds had 17 players that had played in a final before. Mm. We'd had one in Michael Shenton that, and, he'd, and he'd lost. Yeah. So, but even up until kickoff, I remember walking out and we, we trained well. We went great all week. Obviously, we had a disruption with, with Zach mid, mid-week, which, which obviously changed a lot of shit. But, um, I mean, all the way up until the, the, the first whistle, I thought we were bang on. And then it just whoosh, come crumbling down, and it's like you said, it just went like that. Like I've got the, my, the whole game is a complete blur. I just remember walking out and then getting on the bus, like that's it. And it's just really, it's really strange that you say that because this is not the first time this Saints have sort of ha- happened to them. You know what I mean? Like this happened to them last year. This happened to them 2017 when we knocked them out with a one point at Cash. Um, I mean, could you say that they're choking? What do you reckon? because <laughs> they've just they've killed teams all year yeah they do it's, it's difficult really obviously when you get to that situation and it, it does appear that way that they can't win big games I don't want to say anything you know and, and jinx it and yeah. know, knowing my luck now they'll, they'll come back and, and beat us really <laughs> and some of that but it, it does appear that, that, way, that way that you know the, the, the occasion gets to them I think it, it's something that happened like, I, I remember years ago the championship players in, with Lee Centurions and they go all all season unbeaten, and then when it got to Super League, to get to into Super League, they never win a game. And yeah, same with Toronto. Yeah, I mean against they, London, they get it, there and then they lose. So I think sometimes it probably is the occasion, and maybe a lot of time that like, does overestimate or oh, should I say underestimating teams like Warrington had no pressure on this weekend. Did yeah, they? they went it. in the no like they only had one usual halfback in depth pattern, and yeah. no one gave him a chance. Saints probably thought, well, we'll walk this and. And the Blake Austin thing as well, I think had a, you know, I think with Blake Austin not playing as well, I think, me included, a lot of fans um, and spectators, neutrals were thinking, Warrington and definitely... A lot of people thought he was going to play. Well, I did to be fair, I thought, you know, he's not named in the 19, but are they just going to play him and announce him like on the day of the game? But, you know, know, going back to... um, when I think about it, like teams who have dominated Super League over the years, so when Castleford had that year in 17, you know, I go back to the days when in 2011 when we lost three games all year and won the league. I think it gives you a, a false sense of security as, yeah, a, as a team. You're already there. Yeah, you, you mm. sort of, um, you are winning teams quite convincingly. You get that sen- uh, false sense of security. And um, yeah, it's. It, that's why I, I'm not a massive fan of this concept of um, you know Saints being a dominant team all year and then not being crowned champions. Yeah, it's you know Adrian Morley always speaks about the 2011 we got beat by Leeds in the semi-final who actually went on to win the grand final, but he always says you know if we ever had a chance to win the Super League grand final it was that 2011 team and we never did three games yeah. we lost all year and just didn't win it it's it's exactly the same thing in their big games when you talk about Lee trying to get promotion talk about Toronto trying to get promotion Saints at the Challenge Cup us in that 2017 grand final and uh, Warrington how they say oh it's your year every year do you know what I mean yeah. but you sort of get that you get to their moments and you're like oh it's been this long do you know what I mean it's just a it's just a really weird one because there was things happening in that game like Tommy Makinson knocking the ball in there, like great defence from um, Goodwin, but you never see him drop the ball there. Yeah. You never see it. You know what I mean? It just that, that doesn't happen because he wasn't even over the sideline yet. You see him get completely vertical sideways and he still scores. But this one, it just doesn't come off. Do you know what I mean? Well, I mean, we can ask Tom about this, but I went watching Wigan last season play Witness at the DW Stadium and they got beat. No, it was Sean Wayne's last year nobody had Wigan down to win that grand final everyone would say oh, it would have been lovely if Sean Wayne went out you know um, you know, with, with a grand final win but let's be honest there was a point of that season where Wigan they were completely written off but how good must it have felt last year for you guys to win that grand final and then send Wayne out as, as you did yeah it was it was massive for us and you know there was a point where we did for about eight games in the middle really we kind of went on a bit of a losing streak and we could play four losses in a row then we'd win one and lose another four and it was tough but I, I don't I don't can't really give us a special time and date when it happened but it just seemed like one game we clicked again and 
uh, it's everyone who we had out on the field was working for each other and I think the defensive like structure what we had you know the, the whole of the Super 8s we averaged like one try four points against us and mm. it felt like especially speaking like you know as a winger if we had to jam something you knew even if you didn't make it someone's going to be covering you around the back yeah. and people were willing to go the extra mile to, to stop them from scoring so going on to win it I don't know whether it was because we had Wayne and Sam and, and Sotty and, uh, and Batty leaving whether that kind of inspired everyone to, to do it but it just felt like in this we had this vibe in camp like you said you know confidence is a big thing mm. we, were, we were unbeatable we were untouchable and that's where it all kicked off from. do you think it was like I know like from a spectator's point of view I used to look at that Wigan team going into them playoffs and think you know they looked like a tough team to beat because defensively you did like you say you worked that hard if a winger jammed in and he missed you knew that someone was going to be coming across and putting the, the guy into touch well, before, the, before the playoffs they were a bit dead and buried weren't they oh, and then definitely. they just went on to win every single one yeah yeah it was, yeah, it was, like I said, it's difficult to describe what it happened. I think probably the best example, we went to Catalans away towards the start of the eights and uh, as a team, I don't think we had the best success over there, but we used to always do it all in one day, mm. get over there, play the game and then and come home and it, it is a tough ash. You're up at half four in the morning and obviously you're flying things, it, it tires you out. So by the time it gets to the game and you're in the heat, it mm. saps you pretty quickly, but even going into that, we just knew that in the warm-up, everyone was on form and there's no balls being dropped. The energy was there and you kind of just got this sensation. I was like, yeah, we're going to win this today. And we ended up, I think it was, it was quite an easy scoreline in the end, so like 30 points to 10. And we, we actually had a, the night after the game, we, we, had the, we had the night together and we all went out around Calais and some beach bar. And I think it kind of just united everyone really. And since, since that moment, we came home and whoever we went against, we thought, yeah, we've got these in the bag, we can beat them. And it was only... Looking at Saints and Warrington last year, the semi-final, I thought th these are going to be the two teams who, if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be them. And mm. going into the final, still, you look across it, you've got like Sean O'Loughlin's, Tony Clubs, and mm. and then kind of big players who've played in every big game. You think we've just we've got this, we've got the experience, we've got the manpower, and and everyone knows what it means. So. Was it? I'm, yeah. I'm always fascinated with Sean Wayne because and I know he's doing I'd love to go to one of his like speaking seminars now because I know he's doing a lot of like leadership talks and, talk, yeah I'd love to go to one uh, when I get the time And but I'm always fascinated like I know that everyone talks about Sean Wayne being a, an absolute motivator and uh, how does he handle the, the situation like when you were on back to back defeats because in front of the sky cameras, he always looks very, very angry. Is is that the persona he gives like after a defeat, or does he stay generally calm? And how, how does he get you through those tough periods? You know, look, I I love Wayne. I feel like in terms of what he did for me in my game, it brought me on tenfold. And the biggest thing is like his players want to play for him. There was no thing there like oh he's going to bollock you. It wasn't that kind of coach really to bollock you. You know what? <laughs> He'd go in front of the sky cameras and he'd look angry, but he'd, he'd never lose his, his, his temper really in review the next day. He'd ask you what your thoughts was on this. The main thing, you just didn't want to let him down. You didn't want to be the person that missed a tackle and, and be the person that lost a team in the game because you didn't want to let him down and you didn't want to let the other lads down. It was something that he installed that we had this really big bond as a team and everyone worked closely for each other. So uh, as, as a person who's speaking to you, I think the main thing what made you so inspired to Wayne because you know how hard he tried mm. you know he led by example he was the first one in every day and he was the last one out and he had this mentality of and he said it a few times himself where look if, if he had a gun to your head and I said look I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot if you don't make this tackle would you make it mm. and you'd be like well yeah and he said well you've got to have that mentality and yeah. if coming from anyone else you'd think ah, you know what I mean like that's bullshit no one thinks like that but mm. with Wayne you kind of think yeah you know he, he would do that and he would make that sacrifice so uh, look, you know, I can't speak highly enough of him. I thought it really helped me with my game, and he's uh, he's still in a, in a, a round wigger now. He comes to the games and comes watching, so he's probably a bit more chilled out now than he does. <laughs> yeah, you get if you get everyone to buy into it, you, you 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 can become unstoppable. But looking back at it, I sort of think that that is the best position to be in. You know how you thought you sort of you're coming into the last eight games or whatever, you're coming into the playoffs, and you begin to click there, rather than being at the top, mm. killing everyone. And then you happen to win that one game. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I just, I just think, uh, looking back, that is probably a better position to be. You look at Hull FC, the times they won the Challenge Cup. Everyone sort of brushed them aside, and they said, "No, nah, they're not going to make it." And then, bang, 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 and then probably Cup. less pressure on you. And um, you know, it, it is a pressurized situation when you're so dominant and you're top of the league to to get to that grand final. And uh, yeah, it's. It, you know, it's I, I, some people just don't handle that pressure. But um, you know, Leeds have done it for a long time as well, where they've never really been the dominant team in Super League, but they always win a grand final. And maybe it's just because that pressure's off. 
you know, people put it down to design or they peak at the right time, but is it just because, you know, well, we've no, pre you know, everyone's wrote us off, there's no pressure on us, mm. let's just go out and play, maybe Warrington had that mentality at the weekend, but, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting debate, really. I'm on track, mate, two or three Warrington trophies, but uh, look, we'll get, we'll get right at you after this. Stag Sports Performance Wear are the official supplier of all Rugby AM kit. From t-shirts to team wear, their kit is made to last with your own unique design. You can grab some of our exclusive Rugby AM gear by heading to rugbyam.co.uk forward slash shop. Or, why not allow them to create your team's on and off field wear? One-off charity match shirts are specialty. Just email info at stag-sports.com for your bespoke quote today. Welcome back to part two. I've got a little surprise here for Woody. He's, uh, <laughs> no, I don't, I don't got, I've got fucking nothing. Um, right, let's talk about post-match questions. Um, oh, post-match interview. Benny Westwood's comments, um, he said uh, that it's ridiculous that Warrington have to back up from Wembley by playing Salford on Thursday. Um, what's your thoughts on that? I personally am with him. I mean, You've just won such a massive trophy. Let the boys go out in the piss. I don't think that's probably what he's talking about. He's probably talking about body turning around. But for me, let the boys go have a drink. Yeah, we're both a doubt. Obviously, it's going to be like Mad Monday, isn't it? You yeah. want to get out and celebrate. You should have a week off if you win that. <laughs> you're doing, you know, we, we've not played now for two weeks and we've got Wakefield on Sunday. Where Warrington's played, they're going to be going out and have a celebrate, have a good time, and they're playing on Thursday. So you'd yeah. think they'd kind of swap them two fixtures around. Well, I fully agree with him, really. From the science point of view of... Yeah, you know, they need the bodies to rest more, but more importantly, they let them go out, have a good time and celebrate yeah. it. Can they not change that? Surely they can. They change They change, I they change. It, TV games I, and venues all the time. I think it's a Sky game, so I think that's one of the reasons. But, you know, it's you know what did we say last week? Before we come on the podcast last week, we were saying about, you know, we, we, we seem to be bagging the rugby league all the time. And I said, well, don't make dickhead decisions. But, you know, this is another classic example of a dickhead decision. <laughs> who, who has decided that Warrington now are playing on a Thursday? You know, Warrington, all the Warrington lads yesterday paraded the cup round Warrington to whatever it is, 60,000 people. Good showing, that. But, mate, absolutely fantastic. The Warrington the fans, wire, they love it. Mate, Warrington fans are fantastic. They yeah, are right really on. good. And, um, like you'd know. <laughs> but what I will say is, the lads were having a beer and stuff yesterday, so that's Monday, so... Tuesday, Wednesday, play Thursday, right? That they've played in a big occasion, so emotionally they're going to be drained. The body's going to be battered. They've just been in one of the most physical games of the season. They've they're safe. The, they're safe, aren't they? In the five, they'll be safe in the five. Oh, but I just play your nineteens. Position. Play your nineteens and shove it up, Sky. You know <laughs> well, what I mean? Just chuck out nineteens and just say, "Listen, Sky, don't ever, a, don't ever just, pull that shit again." It's just a ridiculous decision. Could you imagine playing now on Thursday, Tom? If you know you've been, been on piss till Tuesday, do it. Like, lads are still going to be out on Monday. I think so. I'd have a sore hammy, mate. Yeah. Tuesdays are right off, and then Wednesday <laughs> they might just rock up the team roll. <laughs> um, look, there was one other post-match. Speaking of the bus going around on the on the beers and that, um, Charlie's chance going viral of. Um, that da 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 Tommy Makinson. Personally, I don't care about it at all. Um, I don't think he was having a stab at him, but it, a lot of Saints fans took offence to it. They were blowing up Deluxe. Did you catch this? Well, it's not. Um, it's nothing major. You know, again, we were just saying before, stuff like this has happened time and time again, but now just social media, everything's recorded on your phone and it just gets put out there to the public domain and... It's nothing, it's just a bit of banter and, you know, Josh Churnley and Tommy Makinson will be good friends with each other. It's not like there's any animosity yeah. between the two. So, it, you know, Tommy Makinson will just laugh it off as Josh Churnley probably would if it was aimed at him. So, you know, just just be thankful, Tommy, that you've got a song because I played for 17 years and never had a song. So <laughs> Sean Wayne's got a song at Cast, but I can't repeat it on um, camera. <laughs> what are your thoughts, mate? Just being a fellow yeah. winger? Yeah. That's just a bit of shits and gigs, eh? Yeah, it's, it's pathetic. People are taking it out of context and blown it out of proportion Tommy Wakeson he'll not have a problem with it he knows like so Josh Allen's given a tweet out about it which the fact that he asked to you know I think yeah. like I've got, even out of rugby really related now like this snowflake community of 
people just being bitches about everything and kind of crying. Oh, mate, it. you're right. That's right up our alley. <laughs> this show was born on a snowflake community. Say, hey, how are you, Augie? Um, <laughs> right. True. Hey, there was another game after the Challenge Cup. Did yep. you know about this? Yeah, I, I, ended up, um, I, I, I stayed for 20 minutes and watched it. Oh, any good? First good 20? Uh, it was all right. No, was the crowd like no good? Mm, no, it was it, it was it was empty. Let's be honest. But well, I hope they can get that. I hope they can get it right. It's a good because it can be a good concept. Yeah, but, but during the season, that was an absolute shit show. Well, it was because they introduced and Bradford got to so far in the Challenge Cup, which. Fuck your seasons up because he was playing like two Easter periods. Yeah, we're dub- no three Easter periods basically. We were playing Sundays because which you can't moan about because you're a winger. You so you have no right yeah, to I'm moan doing, about that. Yeah, but I'm doing four hundred meters yeah, a game. Winger's mentally not. taxing as well. Mate. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It, I'm, and two I'm like tackles a you do and then what? Ten runs. Uh, no, but twenty runs. Twenty runs. Fifteen runs. Two hundred meters. Um, every week. Um, nah, look, it, it's just. If, if we had Friday games and Sunday games it would be alright but we've got Sunday games so we went Sunday Wednesday Sunday yeah. we've got a, we got a, we've got reserves that play Wednesday as well like I mean it was just it was mental uh, um, it, but no prize money so people, clubs were more inclined to say right we won't like because we made the Challenge Cup obviously we want to go Challenge Cup because if we drew the Saints or Warrington or whatever at home again you're looking at money in the bank and that but still won't have paid for your ground fees <laughs> still won't pay my wages um, <laughs> no I mean it just it, they, they just it sprung out of thin air pre-season no prize money and then all of a sudden there is prize money when there's four teams left I uh, mean it was just uh, it, it was can a, be a good, it can be a good concept and at the end of the day it gives a championship team um, a, a chance to play at Wembley and it gives the fans a chance to get to Wembley I mean I don't know if you saw the scenes from the Sheffield Eagles mascot who's been mascot for 20 years he actually lifted his um, his helmet off because he's not real Jai and uh, and I he was actually he was in tears he was in tears he was that emotion. <laughs> it was that emotional and uh, you know it's great that the championship clubs get a chance to play at Wembley it's there's, there's a concept definitely there but I think it just needs a little bit more thought process maybe that game does need playing before the Challenge Cup final uh, and then the crowds can see it and built up and I saw a tweet by Matt Diskin about him saying that Disco. you know Disco, who we had on a, a few weeks ago. So go back and listen to that episode. If yeah, you want get to. back and listen to it. Nah, it's but, great listen. Uh, Disco was basically saying, you know, the crowd was shocking, sixty-two thousand at a Challenge Cup final last year. We blamed Catalan, and what he was saying is, is that rugby league's disconnected itself now from the championship. It's all about Super League, and maybe that's a contribution to the. Well, it's because the, the RFL, and, RFL and Super League have gone two separate ways. RFL controls the championship. Well, what they say, what Diskin was saying is um, the. It used to be a community event, but now it seems like it's just a Super League event. So you don't, you're probably not getting as many championship spectators going down to the ground. Which, do you know what? When he reading it, I thought he's probably got a point there. Sixty-four thousand. Do you reckon there were sixty-four thousand people there? I seen Richie Mavers. Mavers. Richie yeah, Mavers. He was yeah. saying that. Wasn't he reckons he'll give his arm he'll yeah. give his arm away if it was more Richie than 40,000 past 10 so oh, he wouldn't know anyway so <laughs> oh, fair enough looked empty on it like speaking of what you said that though about, about the championship and like there's, not even, there's no championship broadcast anymore is there well they, they do a RFL our league do a do one game but look it's, Toronto, it's budget Sky, it's, yeah Toronto, Toronto games but like look this is the one point that I brought up I bring up every time we talk about it if you're going to do something on a low budget and it looks low quality no one's going to watch it. Yeah. I mean, you just look at the cricket. No one... What Do you watch cricket on... like? Oh, sorry, you do, Joe. Producer Joe watches cricket because he's a wanker. But um, <laughs> no, look, I watch a big bash. I only watch time, cricket when England smash the Aussies. Well, oi, listen, seriously. Do, do you watch cricket besides Ashes, World Cup or nah, like no, no T20? One no one watches it, eh? No, it's on every weekend. No one watches it, right? But then they put on a spectacle and they camera angles there's slow-mos there's bloody flying fox bullshit cameras bouncing about there's infrared there's bloody snicker meters and all this shit it's a spectacle like it's it was 80 quid a ticket to go watch the cricket and you might be stuck with England coming up with 67 runs and you're fucking off home at lunchtime but you know what I mean it, it's a spectacle if you're not gonna produce quality then there's no point doing it at all. So that's just where I stand with it. But even in Super League, like we talk about, you watch a game of NRL, there's like three or four different cameras that are just obviously a fair bit better in quality. But even things like the goal, po- the 
the um what's that fucking thing called corner um, post the corner post the corner post camera have you seen that in the nrl i mean it just gives you an angle that no one else has seen before it's and it's awesome to watch especially with things that the wingers do wingers are doing these days if you cast your mind which back remember not, when i got super league try the decade you remember that <laughs> no it's i can't YouTube. remember that we can't on, remember you remember that, that yeah. eh? you remember that <laughs> it's, uh, it's on youtube I you fully, check it out. Like, so i fully agree there's, been, there's that no no like bad decision after bad decision with the rfl in terms of like you said then, like, they're not really broadcasting that anymore. I think one, one thing that kind of sticks with me was when we got Freddie Stobart trucks and they put Super League players on them. I think if you're in London traffic and you look across and just see this fellow with a rugby ball, you're not going to think, oh, I want to go and watch that. Yeah. No. And like, it's just poor production really. And there's been that many things which piss me off about the sport and how badly it's run that it proper annoys me. The reserve system is being brought back next year, but from 19s and you have to partner up with a championship club where well are they going to run the reserves as a reserves or is the reserves going to just dilute the championship because clubs let's take away your Wigan your Saints your Warrington your Leeds other clubs rely on a bit of money a bit of funding from dual regging their players to championship clubs mm -hmm. if they take that away are they just going to play them in reserves and if so that, is that going to kill teams like Swinton is that going to kill who take you know a lot of Wigan players I mean well, you know, you, yeah. you've, I was reading an article of yours probably about, I don't know, it might have been about five or six weeks ago, but you was quite vocal, Wigan Evening Post, and you was like criticising the rugby league, and I was like, I thought, you know what, fair play, Tom, because... That's why he's on the... That's why he's on the... <laughs> I thought, fair Speaking play, do you know what? It, it is because, you know, we're, we're big believers, me and Jai, in, in, in the fact that we want honesty in, in people's interviews, and we want them to say exactly how they feel, because all this shit stuff about, you know, just paying lip service when when you've got an opportunity to speak public you should speak your honest truth and if you've yeah. got it you know if you've got a, a passion about rugby league and you want it to change and you need to be honest about it but it was it was great that you were saying and you just said there you know you've been pissed off with some of the, the yeah. rugby league decisions there's, like i said there's, there's that many and you think you look at the sport probably as, as near as probably 10 years ago and i know how big it was then and, and the crowds were drawing in and gradually things have just diminished and i think it's, it's just been one decision after the other where it's just baffled me what they've done. You know, speaking again of the dual reg, if you're a, I remember, I, I myself went on, on loan to Swinton and I played about five or six games there and I had a great time. I loved it there, but nevertheless, first of all, me coming in, I, I stopped one of their actual players who's on contract there from playing. Mm. So he's probably trained Tuesday, Thursday, got ready for Sunday and then... And working. This, yeah, this knobhead yeah. from Wigan with a big nose is coming and taking his place. So <laughs> <laughs> that's probably annoyed him. And, and secondly, speaking from my point, I didn't used to train with him. I just did team run and then play. So... Yeah. I'm not going to get the best at myself. I don't necessarily know the system and what they're don't working know and plays and stuff. Yeah. So speaking of that, would you rather? Obviously, you're not in that position anymore. But maybe when you come back from injury, you might need a warm-up game or something. Would you rather play for Wigan Reserves or Jewel Reg? Probably Wigan Reserves. Just because so, I know I know the coaches, I know yeah. the lads around me more. So and that's the, that's the point I'm making. Does does it does it become a diluted championship next year? No, I mean because if you're going to get teams that say, let's say Wigan play. Let's say we can play, you know, half of whatever they've got in their top thirty. Well, it doesn't become a diluted. But I mean, if they play against a team like Castleford, who have got players all out in due reg, Wigan reserves are going to wipe the floor with a bunch of nineteen-year-olds. That's what's going to happen. Well, is, that, is that is it going to be just a half and half competition? Because if it is, it's just going to be another shit show. I don't, I don't know to be honest. I can't answer that. But uh, Bradford are going to be, have reserves as well. I, don't, I mean, I don't even know how that works. We're already a championship team. Our I mean, reserves are going to be... Let's be honest, it's coming back in now. If the reserves come back in, there's going to be some teaming problems where, you know, lads are not going to be quite ready for that step up. There's, there's been a there's been a sort of a couple of age groups now what are going to have to start stepping up and it's going to take yeah. a couple of years for this to this system now to, to kick in fully. Um, but going back to what Tom said there, I remember being at Fev, when we was at Featherstone with Jewel Reds with Waker, when the Waker guys came in for that team run, Fev lads were proper pissed off because mm. they trained all week, they'd worked all week yeah. and they was only getting match winning money and it pissed them off. And, you know, I, I don't agree with Jewel Reds. I think it's got to be, um, because of that, I did, I did agree with it until I was involved at Featherstone and I saw the attitude of the guys who'd been training all week. Yeah. So, I just think it needs to be reserves. You can't I have can... a flourishing reserves without with with the championship still standing. You just, you just it's not it's not possible. I mean, what I don't want is clubs to treat this as, uh, hey, we want to retain all the nine under 19s that are turning 20, and we'll sign them all up for no money, 
and well, they can all play reserves. Well, this is what I'm saying. Over the next couple of years now, so we're lads are leaving the under-19s now. Seth, for, ex- for argument's sake, it's Warrington. Under-19s lads, if coaches don't think they're ready for Super League, they release them and they go to a championship club. But now they've got the option to say, do you know what? He's not quite ready for Super League, but we see potential in him. Let's keep him. And then they stay in the reserves then. Now, they might be at Warrington Reserves for two or three years, you know, before... you know. Yeah, you can, but that's you how it should be. You've got to earn your trade. Well, that's what I'm saying. So over the next couple of years, you probably are going to have young kids playing in this reserves grade which they're going to find it pretty tough because they're playing against you know some big men um, but you know over the next two or three years we should see that competition then starting to work as, as, as it should do and I come through the academy system at Warrington uh, and played some reserve games and, and that's how I came through and I saw that as a, a good progression I mean mm. as, a, as an 18 year old when I played reserves at Warrington I'm playing against Centellians and they had people like Vila Matuti in there yeah. Vila was probably a 32 17 and a half stone you know New Zealander running at me and it's like gives you an indication of where you're at yeah I mean reserve grade in Australia is is ch- is championship? Yeah. I mean, there's no there's no there's no championship and reserve grade. It's just NRL reserve grade. But your reserve grades, like you know, my West Tigers reserve grade team was like yeah. Benny Murdoch, Masilla, Sitaleki, Akawala. They're all in our reserve grade team. So you got yeah. like players that have played you know over fifty and sixty NRL games in your team each week. Yeah. You have got an NRL squad of thirty two players. Yeah. Eighteen play first grade and then everyone else plays reserve grade there's only about five or six actual reserve grade players yeah i mean that's the way forward but whether i don't know i guess we'll see right let's get into our wikipedia career you know about this mate well not a clue it's your it's your time in the sun (laughs) thomas davies i call you by your christian name during the wikipedia career is that sweet you're sweet (laughs) with that six foot one from Wigan, this could be all bullshit, so just let us know. <laughs> nice, we're on so far. 87 kegs. Are you on there? No, well off now. No? What I've, are we... I've been injured five years. <laughs> five years. <laughs> I've, I've, been, I've been injured oh, for, about five, the radar there. for about five. <laughs> for about five months, and I've, I've discovered soft cocky and things. It's, it's been a whole. Oh, so, a what are we from. saying? Are we triple things? I'm about, no, I'm about 95 now. Put Five. a bit of size on. You'll get up there. Um, right, 2017 made your debut for Wigan, and you've You've rattled through some games since then. You basically went. Did you basically go uninjured? Sixty-four games, thirty-two tries. Not yeah, bad. pretty much. I think in me, in both years now, I've, I've had a slight ankle injury. Um, <laughs> either on my ankles. So just been injured for. for <laughs> <laughs> I won't, yeah, uh, I won't call your last ankle injury a, a small. <laughs> injury. No, no, not that one. This was previous to. I've only been out for four games at a time and. Um, other than that, yeah, I've been involved in it in everyone pretty much, so I've been lucky. You never come up against me, which is also is pretty lucky for you. Yeah, I avoided um, the bullet though. Listen, nah. <laughs> you, you've not been lucky, mate. You, you've you've just worked your balls off to get to where you are. You know what I mean? Luck don't come into it. You've worked hard. You've played well, and you know when he's shown shown faith in you. Mm. Yeah, appreciate it. Um, so run us through, run us through how it all came about, because obviously this would have been when when Charlie left the first time when yeah, you yeah. came in. Um, because you had some pretty star-studded wingers there. So what was it like? How did, how did you get the call-up? Um, did you think you were going to play straight away? No, to, to be honest, mate, I, I was I kind of... I gave up on rugby league when I was about 18. Mm. Um, I, I was playing at St. Pat's and I was actually on loan, on loan, should I say. I was on scholarship at Lee Centurions and I, I used to be a little skinny half back, back then. The, the only half back in the league that couldn't pass. And uh, <laughs> I was that one. Just dummy and run. And I got released and I went to college and, and Lee never wanted me and I was... You know, I remember I was, I was on the apprenticeship there and I see Paul Rowley walking past and think, does he want, does he want a reserve player? And <laughs> but nothing happened and I give up. So I ended up going to Fylde Rugby Union. Uh, I thought I was going to try it there and, and I had a great time playing there for about six months. And it was just by luck, George Williams' dad used to coach at St. Pat's, my amateur team. Mm. And he said, look, we're short on players. Can you just come back for a game? And uh, I came back in and Wigan Scouts were there and they said, look, like, do you want a trial? So I was, I was pretty happy with Union at the time. I said, look, you know, look, I'm, I'm going to give it a go, but I was happy where I was. So I didn't think anything of it. And I signed on for six weeks. And I, at the end of that, I got a contract for about four and a half grand a year. <laughs> well, I, I was buzzing with it. And uh, I signed for my first year in 19s. And uh, at the end of it, I got, I got a contract for Wigan. And it, it was quite well known, really. We, we had Dom in, in, on the wings. And there was Josh Charlie, there was Joe Burgess, Lewis Teeny was there. There was a few at front, so I thought it's not going to be my time for a few years yet. Uh, I signed my first team contract and I was pretty much on, on loan for Swinton for the whole year. And after about six weeks, Lewis Teeny got injured and Joe Burgess got injured. Don Manfredi was already injured as well. So mm. whether it was the will of the gods, whatever, but every, everyone was out but me. So 
Sean Wayne actually played Liam Forsyth before me the week before and uh, I went in that week and I said listen I want to play he was like you've got some balls buddy look, I, I want to play whatever I have to do I want to be in the, I want to be in the team so he said right I'm going to put you in this Friday and uh, I, I remember like I said that was that was a key point where I thought I don't want to let him down like I've, I've got in I've talked the talk but I need to walk the walk now and in like the first 10 minutes Joel Tompkins threw a ball at me and I managed to get a try so I was pretty happy with that and I, I came in at half time and things were going well and just before the game my dad actually said to me listen lad you might never play for Wigan again so just go out there to give it your best and you, you can never look back then so I thought this second half I'm going to go out try and make as many carries as I can and and luckily the rest of the game it went pretty well and no one got a try on my wing and I was happy with it so he said yeah you'll get a go next week and it just stayed like that really for the whole of my first year. I kept kept my way in and, and fought two for nail for it. And then at the end of the year, we had a meeting and Rod said he's going to give me the number two shirt. And I said that was a massive honour really to, to be at a club like Wigan and get that was something that, you know, that was lots of words. Well, a pretty bit of a success story, isn't Mate, it? I mean, I, do you know what? I love them stories. Yeah. I love it. Signed for four grand a year. Yeah. You know, like, but fourth string, or third third string at least. <laughs> how, well, many, how many kids, all right, or I'm saying kids, how many, how many young men would have, have said, do you know what? I'm not signing for four grand a year. I'm not being a fourth choice winger. And well, sometimes pride, and they don't sort of back themselves and have that confidence, and you have. And it's paid dividends, and, and it's another story for young kids to say, do you know what? Don't give up on your dream. And sometimes you're going to have to go through a bit of shit. Yeah. Like, you know, it's not nice earning four grand a year because, let's be honest, no matter what age it is, it's not a lot of money no. to get paid each month. It's easily, you can easily leave because you can get an apprenticeship with, I don't know, your, ma- your neighbour or your old yeah. man or whatever. We've spoke about this before yeah. where people are leaving because, look, you can get a better job, you know, and, and you know, so grateful like you know you didn't leave just for the for the money and yeah. you know you've got a passion there but and then something else he said there about being at Lee how many players have Lee Centurions let go who were actually playing Super League you know Joe Bullock at Wigan he was at Lee you know yeah. yourself Chris Ankinson you know there's players mm. there and you know they seem to be letting you know a lot of lads go and trying to bring success in from international players like these um, you know who they're bringing oh, in now right. but could it, Lee could have had such a successful team if they'd have kept all those young lads together mm. yeah, you must think like that's a just everything fell into place yeah I mean, it was like you know I, I'm, I, I'm a big believer in God I, I think like things happen for a reason and, and there's mm-hmm. ways of going about it and I remember when I was about 16 I wasn't even on a scholarship or anything back then this was even before Lee picked me up and went for my leavers doing well it was my leavers doing but we're training at Pats that night and I thought oh, training at Pats is more important and at the time like, I, I didn't know I'd get anything from it and you, you hear all these stories people saying well such a body didn't get picked till they're 18 but you don't think it's going to happen to you. You think, nah, that, that's never going to happen really. So, like, to, to any young player now, and I think, like you said, there's, there's going to be shit periods where you think it's never going to happen or, or you never get your chance. But, you know, the more you put yourself in that, for, for, the, more, the more you put yourself in the way for an opportunity, the more of a chance you're going to take it. So, mm. just keep going through the hard times and something will come out of it. No, definitely I agree with that because, you know, same, same with myself. I was one of the last players. I was always deemed um, not big enough to play in the forwards and... Uh, you know, I always remember Martin Aspinwall, who signed for Wigan, said, Wigan are interested in you, but they don't think you're big enough. And I was mm. like, fucking, how do I change that? You know, because I was a small, scrawny kid. But what I did was, um, you know, like you're saying there, when lads are going partying at weekend, even at 15, 16 year olds drinking on streets, I was on my, on my field doing extra sprints. I was doing extra gym sessions and, you know, and it paid off. And, you know, I was never, I was never the best player, but I, I just generally believe I, my, my career was so long just because I was willing to work hard and no matter where I needed to, you know, strengthen my game, I would, you know, do the extra, extra work. And, you know, I always say rugby league's a simple game and if you're willing to work hard, you're 80% there. Yeah. You know. I think it's easy to listen to sort of that story if you are listening at home and think oh it was you know like a game a game of uh, snakes and ladders without any of the snakes and you just went from one strength to the next but there is hiccups in the road I mean you've, you've obviously got a pretty bad uh, injury at the moment but just looking back at, at, at these sort of stories because there's lots of them in rugby league and I sort of think to myself it's not just the, the sort of luck that happens it's the person that sticks around and perseveres because mm. I bet you're out of all the mates that you had growing up through there, you're probably one of the only ones that's sort of st- stuck there and you're still there, that's that's your age that came from that sort of, you know, you're playing rugby league and you start getting scouted for different teams and stuff like that. But I just think back at my own career, like I was, I didn't play in the NRL till I was 24 years old. 
And that was my dream, like my first ever goal that I set when I was like eight years old. Mm. So it took me, you know, talking 11 years plus to achieve my goal. Chris Hill, Chris Hill is a prime example. He was about 24 when he he played at Lee, went to Warrington, another Lee player, went to Warrington and um, at 24 years of age, and now he's playing for England. He's just lifted the Challenge Cup for the second time. He's played in numerous grand finals. You mm. know what I mean? He never gave up on his dream and he had that... Like say he just he hung around and he just believed in himself and yeah Tom Brady is probably the biggest yeah. success story in terms of someone that wasn't wanted I mean mm. told he was the, I think he's what up there top ten worst ever NFL combine <laughs> in, in history and if you look at his picture it looks like a school teacher then not a very good one either I mean and then he goes on I think he was third string quarterback and he goes on to like you said three injuries. Uh, they chucked him in there and he took him to a Super Bowl mm. in his debut year and then he's what is he 40 is he 44 Tom Brady so 44 and he's going in for his 6th ring the goat yeah probably one of the best ever right that'll end part 2 we'll be back with part 3 in a bit Calling all amateur clubs and community sports teams. Do you need help in simplifying the bid, writing and funding process? Sportsfunding.co.uk can help your club gain access to community awards of up to £10,000 and capital funding of up to £500,000. Whether you need funding to improve your facilities or to run your community project, Sports Funding can help. Want to find out more? Visit sportsfunding.co.uk. Welcome back. Part three. <laughs> um, mate, obviously you did have some hiccups in the road. You, you have, is this your first uh, major injury? Yeah, first one. Run us through, run us through exactly what the injury was. Um, obviously everyone that's seen it was pretty sickening to watch. I hate seeing them sort of things happening to any player. Um, run, I think I remember talking about it on the show actually. Um, run us through what the, exactly the injury is, how long you're out for and, and sort of where you're at with it. Yeah, I, I broke my tib and fib. Um, I just skated my ankle as well and, and did all the tenders of things there in the lower end so the, the lower l- lower portion of my, my left leg just com- completely went really mm. <laughs> um, they, they said at the time probably we're looking for about nine months so I'm hoping I'll be flying fine next year I'm going to start running again in the next month or two and then uh, get some fitness up and, and build myself up again for for pre-season and flying to next year, you know, I want to come back bigger and stronger. Did you get a lot of, um, obviously Don Manfredi's one of your fellow wingers and, and players, but did you get a lot of advice from him out of, because a nine-month injury, I mean, that's, we're talking a whole year basically, um, and he's obviously been through it twice now. Um, did he give you any advice through it about of how to sort of take it? Um, Dom's been great with me, to be honest. It, not necessarily just advice, but just having him there with me. You know, you, you see the rest of the lads going out training and, after the first month, you just you're in the gym constantly, and you're just doing the same upper body weights. I think if I was doing that alone, I'd have probably been in a, a dark place really. But just knowing that you've got someone else there with you, and we've got another lad as well, Callum Field. He, he's he did his ankle playing on loan at Dewsbury, so there's like three amigos there while we dodge your legs at the minute. But it, it's just good to have them three people knowing that you're, you're go, they're going through what you're going through. Mm. You can relate to them. You're not alone in it, and it, it, it's pushed you even further. And Dom's been injured now for you know three years pretty much he's, he's had a terrible look with that but in the meantime he's become like a personal trainer he's great <laughs> with Elfit you know I've gone in and he's told me how to get my bench press up and different things with <coughs> my shoulders and arms and stuff like that he's been great with me so uh, just having them two there yeah it's been a, a great help how do you um, how do you sort of deal with that like mentally because it, you know it's, it's quite public now there's a lot of players who come out and they say you know they struggle when they've been injured and you know I first people who come to mind is like Stevie Ward and Callum Watkins have spoke about it saying you know these long-term injuries I've had long-term injuries myself I've numerous shoulder operations and it can be a tough place to to be especially knowing that you know what I'm training but I ain't going to play till next season how, how do you deal with that mentally it, it's hard it is and one of, probably one of the the worst times I had it was when I first went into the hospital and I spoke to the doctor and this it was actually a junior doctor who came up to me and I said, look, straight away, when we're going to play again? Is everything going to be all right? He said, mate, you're going to look at a year. And I said, what about my speed and my jumping? He went, like, that's going to be hindered from now on, mate. He said, I'm, I'm not going to lie. You probably have to adjust your game and think about how you play. And I remember like, looking at my mum and dad and like a couple of tears ran down my eyes. And my dad saying, you know, listen, we'll get past this. And then in the morning, in the morning, six o'clock, the other doctor came in and said, 
Right, well, we're looking at, mate, probably six to nine months. He said, six months back and running and things, another three months to get yourself back to fitness. I went, all right, well, will everything work fine again? He was like, well, yeah, mate, no problem. I went, this junior doctor came in and told me I'm never going to be able to run the same way again. He was like, <laughs> well, no, mate, we can't, I, I'm, I'm a specialist. I can't just come down to everyone really who's got an injury. So he just made a pre-judgment. He didn't really look at the scans that much. So <laughs> after that, that was like the biggest like upkeep really. That, I started down there and went to there straight away. <laughs> oh, from the shitty ass to the penny ass. Um, I mean, I've go, I've gone through the exact same thing when you get a serious injury. I had a bone disease in my knee. I, mean, I broke my back against you, actually. Yeah. You might have been playing in that I game. I that, yeah. Bloody Willie Iser, fucking... Sort his shit out, Willie. I played with Willie as well. How do you do me like that? Um, no, I mean, it's it's pretty daunting. I remember the back wasn't so bad, but hearing you got a broken back sounds pretty bad, but it was only like eight, ten weeks um, out. But when I had a bone disease in my knee at Cass, I, that went undiagnosed for about three months, and I was trying to run on treadmills. Told me I had ITB friction syndrome, and um, I was just like, oh, what, what the hell is ITB friction syndrome or runner's leg or, or some shit, whatever they were calling it. But when I eventually got diagnosed with, with this ITB friction syndrome, I'm like, man, it can't be that because I'm getting this like radiating pain within my body that I can't reach. Seen specialist after specialist after specialist. And it was like that moment that you just described where I got a phone call and this guy that I've never heard of from God knows where was like, yeah, you've got a bone disease that's not even, it's, pretty rare but it does affect women that are over the age of 75 <laughs> and i was like, always said you're like a woman <laughs> I know, yeah. um but like my life just went before my eyes i just remember saying fuck i was tears as well and i said to me missus i'm fucked here like i don't know what we're gonna do here but um no nah, that just miraculously got better but that is this that i mean i think the only person i've seen with an injury like that is um Jarell Yaoye of um, yeah. brisbane broncos and, and that was at a time of his career where he was setting the world alight he was playing for australia he's playing for the indigenous all-stars and um that was a big build-up sort of success story for him to come back for that and he, and he actually he actually never came back from that so um melted yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. but yeah boom straight back down, <laughs> straight back down there nah. uh, i mean no nah, we wish you all the best I, th I think you're on the right track to be coming back as well i mean he was he was told he his was really severe he was i think it was at the ankle joint Keep itself digging. <laughs> no, it it was. I mean, yeah. if you watch it back on on the tape, it was it's one of them ones where you just go, oh yeah, like straight away people so was thought. Tom's. That was a bad. No, you got to see. You got well. You don't want to go see this, but his, if you his want, foot if you're was finishing that, the wrong way, what was this other guy's no, doing? It, it was <laughs> stuck up his arse or something. We'll have, a, <laughs> we'll have a look at it after this. It was gruesome, man. But, well, um, I mean, we all yeah, good luck with it all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking at it. Anyway, what are you thinking now? Because you're never going to play again. So what are you, <laughs> yeah, you got any hobbies? What's life after rugby at 23? Yeah, yeah. what a show for a laugh. He's got jokes on me. Oh, yeah, we've got to tell you the laughs on you. <laughs> no, I think uh, we, like, we've all been in that situation. We all know we've, yeah. all, we've all had serious injuries. And, you know, let's be honest, with surgery and everything now, it's quite easy to come back physically. Yeah. Get, I, I've come back from injuries like prolapse disc in my back. Come back, actually, my testing results are actually better when I come back after it, uh, after an injury than before, you know, so quite physically, I think it's easy to get fit. If you're ready to rip in, you just get your head down and you do the works that's asked of you and you've got a decent strength and conditioner, which you have Paul yeah. Johnson, who's doing a great job and Mark Bitcoin, who was there previously. But um, it's the mental aspect of it. Coming back from an injury is that is the, I, I'm massive on this now because I look back on my career and think, Fuck me, it was always the mental aspect of my career that held me back. It was never physical. I could mm. train the ice down, I'd be the first in the gym, I'd be the last in the gym. Physically it was never an issue. It was always the mental side. And I've spent a lot of um, a lot of well, over the last six weeks I've spent a lot of time reading about players who have retired from sport and talking about, you know, coming back from injury and the mental aspect held them back. And it's just it's such a common theme. So, you know, do you have a lot of support at Wigan in terms of the welfare and everything and getting you back from the injury or making sure, because like I say, you look fit as they come now. So you're going to be fit to play physically, but what about the mental aspect? Yeah, we do. To be honest, I think the first bit comes from people around you. I've got a great girlfriend and my mum and dad who, since I did it, they've done everything for me. LP mm. uh, in and out the bath, which is not a pretty sight. And, <laughs> you know, they, they do the nitty gritty parts, but just knowing that you've got them there, that's massive. I've got a coach who... I previously said before when I was at Wigan and uh, when I was at St. Pat's, he's called Glenn Sweeney. 
he's been with me he's done individual sessions with me i go to his house once a week now and we, we watch super league together and mm. um he, he's been with me throughout it all i've got a lot of people who are really close around me and especially at wigan we've got tom cat now catman he's he's been great he's our welfare officer and he was one of the first to text me chris Rudlinski, one of the first to text me straight away making sure i was all right and you know i, I can't fault the club at all in that sense they, they've been they've been with me throughout it 100 percent they're making sure i'm i'm well 100 percent of the way and the lads always you know, every single one of them texts me as soon as I was in that night in the hospital, three o'clock in the morning, I'm coming round from the funny juice. <laughs> I'll, I'll look on my phone, I've got about 32 messages for the boys and they've been great with me. Um, I, I think, to be honest, one of the mental sides of it, it was setting myself a goals and what, what, what I want to achieve. So we've got Tom O'Malley, who's our physio, who we've got poached from Sail, Sail Sharks. He's been massive for me. He's from getting me back fitness and I've told him what I want to do and you know, he said himself, but we're going to come back stronger and fitter and faster from this. That's me aim, and I, I want to be, you know, I want to be pushing for England, for England spot. You know, one day in the future. Um, that was when I first came back. One of the main things I thought I want to bench one forty for free. Mm. It was something that I didn't achieve before. I thought that's what I want to get to. It's not all it's cracked up to be. Though. <laughs> <laughs> and then when I, I was coming back, I said I also want to improve on my agility, and I want to get my, my speed up over twenty meters. I set three goals for myself where I thought mm. that's what I want to do. We do a speed test over twenty meters, and we do agility test. On my bench, I want to improve them three things. When I'm coming back, I'm just going to smash it, whatever it takes to get it. So when you're training, you don't kind of feel like, oh, I'm not playing this weekend. I may as well yeah. just take the piss yeah. with it. I'm going to, you've got something to to strive toward and, and that's been brilliant, really. That's it's, 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 it's really important to set little goals. I mean, your goals change. Your, your goals probably went from, you know, let's get another grand final to, to trying to get a max bench. I mean, they're vastly different things, but they're little wins that get you through into the next week and you set another one you set another one do you know what I mean and then then before no time your goal is to get to that grand final again or put on an England shirt but speaking of um, England you did get to play for England Knights over in uh, PNG is that where yeah it was over in PNG tell us us how that was and what an experience that was for you because it's pretty wild over in PNG (laughs) yeah it is I loved it honestly (laughs) in terms of a of a camp I've never been on any tours before or anything like that we, we went away with Wigan at the start of the, the season which we played over in New South Wales against Hull FC but I never got selected in any England team from the U so being a part of that playing with new players and, and seeing a new system and being with new coaches I, I loved every second of it um, speaking of Papua New Guinea like you said it's, it's a bit of a rough place but they, they just love rugby league over there no, it's the it. only country where it's the national sport so you used to go into schools and like you get kids who are like crying and they're trying to like rip the shirt off you because they want a bit and you know it it, it was something that sounds I'd... like Feverston that yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, go to, this, that I don't go to the schools so I don't edit... go... no no we keep no it no, we'll, we'll, no. We'll, we'll, no edit it to Cass <laughs> no. no I love Cass I still live there um, speaking of uh, PNG did you catch the uh, Justin Olam I think his name is the Melbourne Storm Centre he's a PNG fellow he played his first game for Melbourne on the weekend oh, yeah. did you see the yeah, I, I, I retweeted it on my Twitter for yeah. anyone that didn't see this you got to go look at it they're watching they're watching like a community of people in PNG there must be close to 200 people watching on a bloody a screen no bigger than a microwave in PNG and it's got all these plugs all over it just to charge the TV and keep it running no one anywhere past 10 metres can see and there must be about 40, 50 metres deep of people just watching like one guy and that's what it's like over there they're so passionate they're just absolutely mad like it's it's just it's bizarre but um, we went on a trip out one day to some village and we were driving for about an hour on this dirt path and all of a sudden you come to it and they actually had a rugby game dedicated while we were going there and some of them didn't have boots on. The actual kicking tee they used, the person that did have boots and had to take his boot off, put it down and they used that as a kicking tee. And you kind of realise, you think, you know what, when people complain, the yeah, they go like, oh, it's a bit cold today, playing you think, you don't like, no one knows hardship like these men do. And it was like concrete the floor and they're getting tackled and they're getting up with their, half their arms missing, like all the skin's gone on it. And I think, I can't complain again about playing on a 3G. <laughs> no, it's not for the light-hearted, is it? I mean, if you watch some of the like the actual adult games over there, it's mental. It's like you said, they are on dust and rock and stone. And yeah, I think I think you know what as well because because no as well like it, when I've left school, like I went engineering for, for about nine, twelve months, however long it was before I went as a, a full-time player. But it doesn't happen now that because a lot of lads leave school and then they either train part-time with the first team and then they go to college. So they don't necessarily see how lucky they are because they're coming straight out of school. And, mm. you know, I'm a big believer that, you know, maybe they should go and work for a bit and they will appreciate what they've got a little bit more because yeah. it's easy to fall into that trap. And I've done it myself. Um, 
you know, where you can be complaining, but really it's a privilege to play rugby yeah, league. To be worry. able to get up every morning and just go training, and whether it's pissing down or whether it's snowing or whether it's baking hot, it's such a privilege to, to have it. But, we, well, I, I certainly don't speak to it myself, but I took a lot of it for granted. Yeah. You know, so those tours will just put you in such a good stead and, you know, yeah. to see that you've got that privilege of, you know, what you've got, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah, I was lucky enough to work... Um, Full time, but I know what you mean. Look, preseason in England and preseason in Australia, one's in the boiling hot, one's in the freezing cold. Let's be honest, there's times where it's pretty shit, but I'd much rather be doing that than, you know, shifting tin all day or working in a factory or something like that. So, yeah, well, I guess we do take it for granted. I mean, what's your thoughts? Yeah. Did you work Did you work prior to this? Yeah, I, like I said, I only got picked up later. I was actually on uh, apprenticeship at St. Lee Sports Village. I was doing the pavilion there, and all you're doing is you're shifting football nets about, getting five-a-side leagues ready, litter picks, and the amount of abuse the lads used to give me there. <laughs> like, going on a two-hour-long litter pick because I was getting every little piece of, like, it made Super League a bit easier for me. But one of the things Wayne introduced, actually, when we first came to the club, all lads had to go two weeks on work experience. Mm. So we, we went to a place called Hughesboro's in Lee, and they used to have you doing different jobs. So you go two weeks, you're in there from 7 o'clock in the morning, used to strip copper wire sometimes you go around counselors in Wigan and you're knocking like walls through and things and mm. you got you do that till six o'clock at night and then you have to train with the 19s at night do your weight so you're starting at seven in the morning and, and finishing at eight at night so at the end of it he just said listen like if one thing's for sure now you're gonna appreciate what you do yeah. when you're coming in here and you get your breakfast and your dinner and does everyone do that yeah Even yeah the... every, every, every lad who signed for first team used to do it for two weeks and mm. Made you appreciate place, it. That? I've not a clue if it's still going actually. I, mm. I, I, I think it is. You're hoping not, eh? Well, I, like, <laughs> I hope it is, so they have to go through what I went through. But <laughs> yeah. there's points where, like I said, we're going around Wigan and because and it, and it was with the council, and the council used to have like someone moved out of it. Sometimes they just they'd, they'd gut them. So you, you're going with a massive sledgehammer, you're knocking everything down, you have this dust mass which doesn't stop anything. <laughs> and then at night you go in doing fitness and you're running on the treadmill and you're actually copping out like bits of charcoal and things like you think. I'm not helping Manny here at the minute, but when, when you when you finish that two weeks and you're waking up for eight o'clock every day and you go in and you get your breakfast, then you're doing weights in the field and you're home again by three o'clock, you think, you know what, it's not actually that hard, this life, and I'm very mm. lucky to, to live my dream every day. Bit of character building, eh? Yeah, I worked it out. You get any of that, Woody, in your day? Just like get a slap around the like chops, I said, eh? Yeah, no, like I said, it, I, I went engineering for... I think it was about nine, nine months it was and then I went as a full time they asked me to, to train with the first team and then I went full time but um, funnily enough like Tony Smith brought something similar in it wasn't uh, a working all day job so the young lads used to train with the first team and then we used to have this canteen at uh, the University of Chester where we trained and all the like the well 18, 19 year olds used to have to go and work in the canteen and clean all the dishes and collect all the cookery and everything and just just basically learn about you know the, it's a privilege and you know this is this is a, a real job you know working in in a canteen and um i know that fitz is big into it uh, the ceo at warrington he, he sends the young lads going working in engineering factories and stuff like that for a couple of weeks but i, I think it's a good exercise it, it should be done um yeah you should do that Jay, yeah i think i need a bit of it but you know we're coming down <laughs> to the end of the season Mad Monday's on the horizon. You know, see how we go. Anything Mad planned? Anything planned? Up? Little getaway. Hey, looking forward to Mad Monday. Not there. Everyone looks forward to Mad Monday. <laughs> what do you, you got? When your angel does have the same thing behind it, but for still be out. Going abroad? Abroad or? Yeah, I'm open to probably go. Well, as a team, we uh, nothing's been sorted yet. Well, I don't think we've ever been abroad. Usually, it's just Wigan Town for for three nights and see Whoa. see you can go through from six o'clock in the morning again till the next one. <laughs> What's the pub in Wigan that you you'd go to? Uh, Revs, we got a, a lot of Wigan fans listening to this, so don't give too away too many. Going back to, uh, <laughs> going, back, going back to uh, a video that I saw last year, <laughs> that academy lad who swung on the chandelier, oh, yeah. I <laughs> the Wigan Twenty Ones, Mad Monday in Revolution <laughs> Bar. Some guy stands on the table and just swings off the chandelier. I seen that. Did they that is one of the that, <laughs> Matty <laughs> Pete's face just cracked me up. He just looked at him and went, "What are you doing, you dickhead?" It looked like something off Harry Potter. Right? <laughs> can we get that on the um, Twitter page so people can uh, see it? Uh, <laughs> no name shall be named, but uh, I think, I think, yeah, I think, I think he, he paid, he paid his dues. He's, he's in the clear now. He's good. He's, that he's a good bloke. <laughs> like I say, it was Matty Pete's purse. He was sat there. And <laughs> 
Martin McLaughlin was sat there and they're all having a laugh and a joke and he just swing off his everyone like the younger fellas you could tell that some of it was their first like you know proper Mad Monday and they're just everyone going, just oh, stopped well, it's like when your little brother smashes some shit and you quickly run out and dob him into your parents well, do you know what this is uh, I mean there's some stories that you can tell about Mad Monday and people won't believe you and that's probably one of them but because people have got the camera phones <laughs> now you just get everything yeah, on yeah. film and social I mean, media bang and everyone yeah, knows stories have gone un- un- untold truths because there's no phone no I think they've ruined it they've ruined it uh, the phones I mean who, Joel Sean. Monaghan he was the first to get done by the uh, flip phone <laughs> the Samsung flip phone yeah. um, and I never leave that one down but you should you, you, your phone should be left at home yeah, on, on keep, Mad Monday they should be get it in the phone, safe get them in a box and passports and phone in the safe and one person knows the password preferably the one that stays the longest mm-hmm. but um uh, look, I think I think that might uh, wrap up our show, mate. I want to thank you for joining us. I think you've got a great um, positive outlook towards towards everything. I have no doubt you'll come back bigger and, and better from your injury, and I want to wish you all the best with it. Uh, Woody, anything from you? No, just great podcast. Enjoyed it. Like I say, good positive attitude, you know, and I think you'll go further in the game. So, yeah, keep that up, mate. Get to 100 kilos there, man. Get even juicier. Bench him off Thanks very much for having me. I've had a great time. And, yeah, Beautiful. Enjoyed it. See you next week. This is a Rugby AM production.